After hearing me talk about ButcherBox for months, if you haven't taken advantage of their amazing offers, you need to listen up. Every month, ButcherBox delivers humanely raised 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-bred pork, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon directly to your door. Choose from four curated boxes or customize your own box with all your favorite cuts. And with free shipping, ButcherBox makes getting high-quality meat with no added hormones or antibiotics easier than ever. The last box I got came with, we had some chicken, which you know is the base for any guy. Um, I got ribs. I got some, like, short ribs. I mean, it was nuts. And then a couple nice ribeyes in there. Uh, the ribeye was insane, okay? It's, it's all set up. As soon as you take it out, throw it on the grill, you're ready to go. And you know what? I just remember back in the days when we were all sitting there. It depends on how old you are. But you're like, man, this Foreman grill kicks major you-know-what. I don't season the meat. I don't put anything on the iron part of it. And I've got a sweet um, shoulder cut here that I can afford, a $5 steak. And I cook it all the way through, gray and tough. But, man, look how lean it is. All the taste just dripped into a tray that I lost after the first month and had to put a plate underneath it. So that's how I remember the early days of doing this. Don't be like that guy, okay? Start doing your stuff from Butcher Box. Get the right cuts. Cook it the right way. Salt the hell out of it, okay? Don't be afraid to throw a little butter on there. Don't be afraid to do a skillet deal. Don't be afraid to just go on Instagram and see guys cooking in ways that you're like, I never even thought of doing that. Although, don't watch Europeans cook eggs on Instagram because they suck at it. Anyway... Um, my method may not be for you, but ButcherBox has a ton of awesome recipes and resources on their website that'll help you bring out all the flavor of each cut of meat that you get from ButcherBox. And this month, ButcherBox is offering new members $20 off your first box free, plus free ground beef for the life of your subscription when you sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's right. In addition to all the great meat you get, ButcherBox is knocking $20 off your first box and throwing in two pounds of free ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription. When you sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, ButcherBox.com slash Ryan. Okay, the countdown is on, Saruti. This is the second-to-last ever Russillo Show pod at ESPN. Uh, we're going to have more on because I have a premise on quarterbacks. But first, good day to you, sir. What's going on? How uncomfortable are you like in like the farewell tour thing? Like, I know. I, I feel like it's on the back of your mind, and you're just because like, you're not you're not a guy like wants that kind of attention. But like people, no, I, look, people want to tell you like, hey, we're, we're going to miss you. Yeah, uh, the 2017 sign-off was, was it, and I was lucky enough to kind of keep this thing going. I've, I've talked about this before, but... Uh, my contract is up August 31st. I start with the ringer September 1st. And, you know, ESPN was like, hey, do you want to keep doing some of these? And I said, yes, because I like working. So everybody's very happy. There's there's nothing, you know, about it. But, yeah, I feel, I feel like it's been, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> I just, I don't want to do, I, I've already made this joke, but it's the longest goodbye ever. Because we kept thinking it was goodbye a million times. And so, um I look at it instead of being annoying and, and negative about it, which I definitely would have been when I was younger. Uh, I look at it as like, hey, it's kind of cool. I get to stay at a place like two years longer than I thought I was going to. So there you go. I was um, I was talking to a guy internally who was a, ooh, a, a big juice. fan, big big SVP and Rosillo fan back in the day, Love. and kind of chatting me up about it. And I was like, if you listened to the the, la- the last episode yet, he's like, no, like I can't bring myself to it because I think I'd get it too emotional. And I was like, wow, okay, uh, that is uh, that's intense. That is pretty intense. I, I will uh, add that 
you know, doing this job, you know, like, hey, I just want to do a good job. I want to watch games. I want to try to get good information. I just don't want to sound like an idiot, right? I want to be the guy that people, like, even if you didn't like me, you were like, yeah, but that guy kind of, he was on top of stuff, right? That's really all I wanted to do. Um, but when people tell you, hey, I was, like, I got a DM or a tweet the other day, I forget, um, you know, hey, I was, I was, I was commuting back and forth to stay in touch with my fiance and, and you and Scott were the only thing that got me through it because the whole setup sucked or, Hey, I started out driving a truck and now I'm a manager, but in the beginning, like those long drives, it was your show. You don't realize when you have a national show like that for that long, how many different people feel like they know you and got to know you and then liked you. And, and it's, it's a completely one way relationship, but when you're, given the chance to hear from this many people about how much they like what you did. It's just awesome. So thanks to everybody. Cause, um, I've seen most of the stuff, not all the stuff. Um, cause sometimes I just, you know, whatever I go, I go into modes where I'm into checking it. And then other times I'm not. Um, so I have this quarterback thing. I don't know. Do we need to cover anything else? Cause people seem to really like the travel stuff from Cabo <laughs> last week. It's usually always the way it works. There's some other Cabo stories I have may have to save for a different podcast. <laughs> Um, and trust me that that is not, um, me being the center of attention in those stories. It's, uh, it's just a social experiment. Let's just put it that way. All right. It's a social experiment that when you're a dude by yourself, sometimes, you know, people can be aggressive with you in a way that you may not be inviting. So, uh, let's see. Anything else that we need to talk about? No, I mean, I think the last thing I'll say is that I, I'm glad you posted the uh, the beach racing photo shirtless. I think that was the oh, big the hit. Everybody thing. loved that. Well, because when I said, hey, you know, what's up with the midlife crisis? Like, I'm always trying to be a little tongue-in-cheek with it. I uh, I don't want to be insensitive to people that are going through my midlife crisis as I laugh. Uh, but, you know, there's these people that talk about a midlife crisis. They're like, oh, man. I'm like, well, what, what does that mean? Like, you buy the car you always wanted. You date younger girls. Like, oh, that sucks. Can I do that too? <laughs> yeah. Like, is there a camp that gets me ready for this? <laughs> is there any, like, seminar? Can I go to, like, a Marriott in Minneapolis? And So you're going through a midlife crisis. Here's a pamphlet. Here's what to expect. A Corvette. That girl from Twin Peaks that you always liked. Uh, and look, I'm not saying everybody, it's, it's the same. I mean, if you just abandon your family because you're getting weird in your 40s, that's not cool. I'm not endorsing that. But there, let's face it, there are some elements to the midlife crisis that you go, well, that doesn't seem bad. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> I did post the picture of me with, uh, and we were racing shirts off anyway. So, oh yeah. What's up? You know, the, the shirt was already off, dude. Shirts and the off, bandana's real. Yeah. You gotta, re- you have to wear the bandana when you're beach racing. Everybody knows that. Like sand intake, I would assume. Sand. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have the shield down, forget it. Uh, and by the way, we didn't race with a shirt off because the seatbelt's like one of those deals where it's the right buckle into like a buckle that's in between your legs that's like the thing that keeps it all together and then another left deal and it's like putting this hinge together and then you clamp it down and you're in there because if that thing rolls, you just be suspended. You'll be like Skywalker in the second Star Wars. That's Empire Strikes Back. Okay, uh... Let's do this quarterback thing because I don't. I don't think I have any rambling stuff. I'm thinking about getting on a plane here very shortly again, and uh, destination unknown. So we're just going to look at the flights and look. I have a couple days to burn, and I know what's going to happen once football starts. I'll be looking at this couch that I'm looking at right now, 
and I'm going to be on that thing like 20 hours a weekend. So I may try to sneak out one more time. So I'll let you know. I'll let you know if it's Hartford. Okay. Oh, please, please do. Yeah, I'm, I'm around. Okay. So I have a theory, working theory here. How many quarterbacks? We're going to call them the last shot. Okay. These are the quarterbacks that I think in their current situation are in their last shot with their team. Okay. And you give me any pushback you want. And I did some contract stuff. I did the backup stuff. I really was digging deep. I was on five different analytic websites last night. And I got to tell you this, if you want to do that with one guy, you can talk yourself into almost anyone and you can talk yourself out of almost anyone. Analytics are awesome and they're also terrible. So there you go. That's where I am with math. It was crazy because I started looking at stuff and, and then I'd start reading like local coverage of guys. And if you wanted to stick up for any of these six quarterbacks, you could do it. And I'm even going to try. All right, Eli Manning. This is an obvious one. We're going to ask more about every one of these dudes and see if my list of six is too short, too long, whatever. Unrestricted free agent 2020, so it doesn't matter. They can move right on. We know what they just invested in Daniel Jones. He's basically been averaged to slightly below average for three years. That's who he's been. Although his TD interception ratio, 66 to 40 the last three years, isn't terrible. He was 25th in QBR last year. Four, this is, excuse me, three straight years with a sub-50 QBR. QBR is not everything. There's no now one stat that I think is everything for a quarterback. I used to think it's yards per attempt. Um, I used to think it was touchdown-interception ratio. I used to think it was just interceptions. And then I realized, like, if you never throw any interceptions, is that because you're awesome or is it because you never take any chances? No offense the Alex Smith rule. Um, completion percentage is completely out of whack now. Yards, just raw yardage. You know, doesn't mean that much. So then if you start doing expected adjusted yardage and all these different things. So I was digging into a lot of this different stuff. But let's not make it too confusing here. Let's not complicate it with Eli. If you've watched it regularly, and we all have because we get to see the Giants every other freaking week on primetime, um, it's just not that great. And, yes, the O-line could be better, but it's not like they haven't had weapons for this dude. So let's see what happens. And let's see what Moore has to say, because you know he's going to be plugged into the Eli thing. But this one seems like the writing is on the wall. If Eli plays a fourth year like he's played the last three, he may not even make it through this year as the starter for all 16. The only thing I would say is that the Mars are obsessed with him. So I, (laughs) Ooh, I love that. Even if, yeah, like even if, if there's any glimmer of hope, they'd just be like, yeah, just run it back. One year extension. Let's do it. Daniel Jones is not ready. And I think everyone would think that's a mistake, but they've just sort of proven that they don't care about that. Yeah, all right. So I don't think there's anything we need to add to that, okay? Because let's let's look at this as um, you know efficient segments instead of drawn out ones because you're solo for three hours. I've had this rule, and I've said this rule almost ten years ago, and it's one of the things that the one sentence that I'm as proud. Well, let's not overstate this a little bit. It's just a good take. All right, let's just put it that way. The NFL tells you what they think of you, okay? And that's life, job. They're going to tell you what they think of you. You may not like what they think of you. They may not say it to you, but where you work, who you date, who you're married to, who you live with, who your friends are, all of these things, they're going to let you know even if they don't let you know. And the NFL is the best example of this. Like the NFL can sit there and you can go, oh, you know, like the Vince Young thing, right? Vince Young went through this a lot. I'm not going to turn this into a Kaepernick subject. But when Vince Young couldn't get a gig again, and people looked at his one loss record, oh, it's never the right system and all this different stuff. You go, and that was the Eagles' dream team was, was kind of the last time he was really on the radar. When he couldn't get a gig again, it was like, yeah, I don't think this is any more complicated than the NFL collectively is saying, yeah, we're good. We're good here. We're ready to move on. And another project that I'm working on 
like the total number of starts for guys that are second, third, and fourth string. And maybe I shouldn't throw in the fourth string guys because they're all going to be cut anyway before the season even starts, and a good chunk of the third string guys are going to be cut. But when I was going through all the quarterback depth charts last night, the number of total starts by backups and third string guys is so low. It's so low. Hey, you want to talk about moving on from running backs? Running backs, they move on from because they're hurt. Quarterbacks get moved on from, well, we didn't really have any opportunity, and even though you never got an opportunity, it's two, three years later, and now we're just going to draft the next guy that has no has no experience whatsoever. So these two quarterbacks are the example of your team is telling you what they think of you, and that's Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. Mariota's an unrestricted free agent next year. Now he has a 20-point $1 million option, which was picked up as a fifth-year option, and that was back in April. Uh, I don't want to say the exact date because I think this is this – is stre- yeah, it was like April 2018, but I don't who cares about the date. Now, the way they do that is they do an average of the top ten at the uh, QB position as far as average annual salary. And so he's going to make good money, and Jameis is a little bit beyond that. He's going to make $21 million, okay? These are the only two – Quarterbacks that are first round draft picks under the new CBA. So that's Cam Newton salary structure and on. This is post Sam Bradford. They're the only first round QBs to play the fifth year option with no extension. And when the option was picked up for Mariota for the fifth year, I was reading some local coverage of it, which does not mean it was the voice collectively of how the city and how a team felt about Mariota. But it was like, yeah, you know, they're just going to pick up the option, but they'll figure out an extension. <laughs> like, no, they won't. <laughs> but that was a year and a half ago. It's like, yeah, it's just protocol. They'll get this extension done. They're fine. Now, Mariota's backup is Tannehill. He was 19th in QBR last year. He threw for about 2,500 yards in his fourth season, which was the lowest of his career. Yes, if you're Mariota Stan, you're screaming hand injury right now. That's fine. His last two years, his touchdown pick ratio is 24 to 23. Uh, his second year is pretty good. I mean, if you want to look at just raw numbers, you go, all right, 26 touchdowns, only nine picks, takes care of the football, 3,500 yards, ran it for 349 yards. Um, his completion percentage actually last year was 70% in what I think most people would tell you was the year where you go, oh, this is not the guy we want to give the extension to. Uh, the hand injury, yes. Um some of the other really deeper analytics were kind of surprising where Mario stood up. Like he was second in depth adjusted throws. So basically it's a way of looking at how you are on the deep throws. And you're like, wait a minute, Mario was good on deep throws. Like how, how did he have almost a 70 percentage completion rate? Like, isn't he just throwing it behind the line of screamers the whole time? I don't know how the breakdown is of actual numbers of throws, but when he threw it deep and intermediate, he was one of the best in the NFL. Like, that second in depth adjusted throws was second behind Andrew Luck. His, he was number three in throws between 11 and 20 yards, and he was number one on deep throws in the NFL for some of these adjusted, you know, more advanced stats. You know, like Mariota was. But let's not do that that 5,000-word piece on why Mariota's super underrated, like I've seen with other quarterbacks, because we found some stats that proved that he was way better than the eye thought. When his own freaking team has watched him for four years and gone, and I know Vrabel hasn't been there the entire time, but they've gone, yeah, we actually don't want to give you an extension. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. So if you're getting into an argument with a friend who's telling you Marcus Mariota's awesome and that, hey, look at all these stats I found and Rosillo used him on his podcast. Have you heard it? It's awesome. Uh, 
This guy, yeah, his own team didn't give him the fifth-year extension. What else do you need to know? And it's the same thing for Jameis Winston. Jameis is backed up by Blaine. They obviously can move on from him next year. He was eighth. Jameis was eighth in QBR last year, and he had a good number, like 66. New coach of Bruce Arians, so that can't be good for Jameis. Or maybe this is the best thing that's going to happen to Jameis. He's going to figure him out. Um, yeah, Jameis turns the ball over all the time. You know what else he does? He's at like the top of the league in some of the more aggressive plays. There's an aggressive throw stat that talks about how closely covered the intended receiver is. He was number two in that. He was number two in completed air yards. So the distance the ball travels in the air to the receiver. So not yak, not yards after catch, but adjusted in the air stuff, uh, completed air yards. He was number two in that. He was number one. I thought this number was great. He was number one in air yards to the sticks. So that meant... How often are you throwing the ball underneath the sticks and hoping the position player makes a play? Or how many times are you throwing beyond the sticks trying to get the first down with your arm? He was number one of all quarterbacks last year and throwing it beyond the sticks. When you add up all the throws, okay, distance to the sticks, he was plus a yard and a half. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible how – impressive some of these numbers were from Winston when you think, okay, well, he's turning the ball over all the time. Well, that's what's happening. He is so aggressive. He is turning the ball over all the time. So what is it? You know, is it, is it that he's always trying to make the play with his arm? Okay, well, can you scale some of that stuff back? But I think Jameis, let's not make it complicated. His team said, we're good. We'll pick up the fifth-year option. We'll eat the $20 million, And let's see what happens here with Arians before we go ahead and just fall into the rule that we're supposed to give you this extension if you're going into your fifth year. So I don't think it's really that complicated, despite the fact you can find numbers that tell you that both of those guys are better than sort of the perception of them. Yeah, I think the worst thing you can do in the NFL today is overpay for an average quarterback. And I think both of these guys are, I, let's be honest, like they probably, I don't think, I, I don't think it's impossible think that they could have success going forward in some way, shape or form, but like I'm just not going to give them some huge contract extension because I feel like I'm supposed to. Yeah, as much as, you know, everybody rips the the Redskins for a bunch of reasons. Look, they deserve it. I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and defend them. There was part of me that found it admirable that they just went, yeah, Kirk Cousins is all right, but we don't want to pay you this premium. We don't want to pay you all of this money. And you know, maybe teams are going to start doing some of this stuff a little bit more. And maybe Winston works out there. I would actually be more willing to place a bet just on watching them play on Winston with Arians figuring it out before Mariota does. But you know, who knows? Okay, I got another one for you, and it's a star of hard knocks. Well, maybe he's not the star. Antonio Brown's really been the star, but it's Derek. He Carr. wants to be the star. I feel like when I when I like Derek, um, we had him on the show a bunch of times. He could have been nicer, and he was, like, genuinely a dude who was like, I watched the show, and you could tell that he did. I mean, hell, he mm-hmm. challenged Max Kellerman to a UFC fight because he was watching <laughs> first take, which I kind of respected. But it is clear that he's gotten some definition on those arms in this season of hard knocks, and he's like, I'm showing these off all the time yeah and it's um, like a suntan lotion that's not really a suntan lotion it's really just like an oil dudes were knocking him trying to tell him it was just baby oil on the it, arms. W- it looked like ba- <laughs> it did not look like suntan lotion it was like a bronzing oil maybe it was like a kula an organic maybe deal. yeah that's true uh you know what's crazy is that company is a guy who's best friends with one of my roommates from college and much like the dirks bentley story where dirks bentley was like hey i'm gonna follow my dreams and move to Nashville because music's in my heart. We're like, dude, you get hammered and go to JP's and sing karaoke by yourself. Like, nobody wants, like, what are you, nuts? 
Oh, good job. Yeah, it's not nearly as entertaining, but a friend of ours was like, yeah, one of my buddies is starting up this organic sunblock company. We're like, ah, oh, it's cool. Like, how much pot does that guy smoke? Or it's in every single boutique hotel I ever go to now. <laughs> so there you go, kids. Don't give up on your dreams. Same for Derek Carr. Okay, he has a deal where after this year, he's got three more years on it, but the dead money is only like $7.5 million after this year and a lot of this depends on the cut date and some of the you know everybody's language is a little different but generally the dates are like this june 1st thing you know the league year is, is different than that uh i don't want to bog everybody down with all this stuff so his is a little bit more complicated than just the giants sick eli manning's an unrestricted free agent um there's no long-term commitment to a guy like Mariota or winston but you know, when you're talking less than $10 million on dead money, when you think the quarterback is holding you back, that's an easy one to swallow, I would think, especially with where the cap is. Because we all know the cap is going up. Um, this wasn't going to happen this year, even though there were rumors about it. Because there was a way that they could have... I mean, it would be weird if I'm sitting here in a week and they're like, hey, they cut Derek Carr. Uh, they could trade Derek Carr. What was it, his third year where he lit it up? And then it was like coming into that next year, you're going, is this guy in the MVP conversation? I mean, these are real things that happen with Derek Carr. I, I, do I need to remember, or do I need to remind you of this, Rudy, or do you no, remember this? No, he was like in there of, of amongst like the next great thing in the NFL. That was like what, the year, that was Del Rio's, that was the year they went to the playoffs, right? And they were like 13, or they were 11 and 5, maybe. They had a great year. And he yeah, lit it up, standards. and everybody thought that the right. Raiders were like the next team in the AFC. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, excuse me, it was his second year, right? It was his second year, and he was 32-13, split 4,000 yards, completion percentage 61. He's always been around 61-62, but see, this is this other thing I started noticing last night. Guys that, um, guys that have this thing where it feels like their career is going in the wrong direction, he had a 69% completion percentage, which is like way beyond 63% for his career. And then if you look at the yards per attempt, I mean, I could really dig around on some of this stuff. His yards per attempt was the best that he'd had. So that's like, wait a minute, was he chucking the ball down the field a little bit more? Like, why weren't they better offensively if he was completing so many passes and the yards per attempt was that much better? Is it just that there were some deeper throws that offset the fact that he was he wasn't taking as many chances. I mean, that's the kind of thing you would have to be Raiders 16 games, watch every throw. And the reality is I'm not going to have all of that information for every guy that's playing that position. So as far as the money, it's doable. It's not impossible. The backup's Mike Glennon. He was 27th in QBR last year. We mentioned the completion percentage, best of his career. Um, but this is the number that I found that was terrible for him. Okay, there's one number for him that's really bad, and there's one number for him that is what you will use if you're still holding out hope for Derek Carr. And I know some of you are. He was fourth worst of the sticks. So that number that I just used for Jameis Winston, that average yard of sticks, Winston's actually number one. So now you're going to say, well, what the hell does that stat mean? Well, this is important because Carr was the fourth worst. So that completion percentage that we're looking at going, okay, how high is that? That's 69. What happened? He was as bad as really anybody that was an established starter at not throwing it beyond the sticks and hoping somebody was going to make a play for him. Now, there may have been another reason for that, and this is why all these numbers suck. The other guys that were ahead of him in fourth worst of the sticks were Cody Kessler, Nick Foles, and C.J. Beathard. And then it's Derek Carr. So what's going on? Well, 
maybe it's this because his protection rate, depending on which protection rate that you want to go by, I was using one from a site that I trust. His was 29th, 29th, 28 quarterbacks by this standard were protected better than Derek Carr was. Not just looking at pressures, not just looking at sacks. Brady was number one by comparison. So is it that Carr is so skittish back there that he doesn't even have time to throw it to the sticks and he's completing these shorter passes, which still doesn't explain the yards per attempt number. But then the QBR's 27th and the eyes, folks. When you watch it, does it look as good as it looked a couple years ago? Did it look as promising as it did a couple years ago? It did not. So, what would the Raiders do with Carr? I don't know. I don't know if they would move on from that one. The other thing you got to do, remember here too, is just because you don't like your guy means that there's a solution that makes sense for your team. So we could go over this list of guys that we're issuing a warning to, but they could have just the same exact year, and it may not mean anything. So I think that's always important to remind ourselves of. Andy Dalton. Were you an Andy Dalton guy, Saruti? Not really, no. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I like him, but I don't think I'd ever be pumped if he was my team starting quarterback for a long period of time. Mm. Would you trade Garoppolo for him right now? Uh, for one year, I would take Dalton over Garoppolo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not, the Jimmy G thing. I mean, I, I, there's some there's some bad stuff there that I think you know. I think that the issue is like paying this guy who is completely unproven, right? Which is kind of like what you don't do in in today's NFL. Um, and then obviously the five straight interceptions in practice, which is you know we had Dan Orlovsky on with Will, and he was like, I, I I'm I'm Dan Orlovsky. I've never done that in my entire career. <laughs> so there's some red flags for, for there's some red flags for Garoppolo. I think that, I think me as a Niners fan is not feeling great. A quick aside here before I get to Dalton and the two other guys, because the Garoppolo one is worth bringing up. I don't have on my list of six guys, uh, and I might be wrong on that. We'll ask more, but. Who's the most defeated former player that's an analyst at ESPN? Because Orlovsky's in the running. Well, he, you know, the good thing, what makes him awesome is that he can make fun of himself. He's self-deprecating. Well, he has to, though. Yeah. I mean, when, when he's sitting there, and, and I like Dan, but when, and, and I'm not turning, trust me, I'm not turning this into like, hey, his career was, was nothing. But when you have his career and then you're in the room with like three other guys that won Super Bowls and like maybe two Hall of Famers, you have no choice. <laughs> That's true, but you know, you, but I'm not saying like he's depressed or something like that, but I think the most self-deprecating former, former player at ESPN, he's, he's in the running, but we also don't have. Is Hasselbeck in there? Tim? Tim is definitely. Yeah, I was going to say Tim might be the one that comes to mind for me. And then when I forgot that he got cut on hard knocks, I asked him. <laughs> That's right. He's like, are you serious? Are you serious? Are you messing with me? Are you doing this on purpose? He's like, dude, I was cut on TV. I was like, oh, that's right. Bummer. That's my bad. O two. I'm trying to remember. Uh, all right, table that. Table that. Because I, I think this is going to come off as, as a, it's some kind of dissident or Vlosky, and it's just not. It, it isn't. It's just if I were, if I were an NBA analyst – like, there's the thing that, you know, I can tell you legs isn't deferring to anybody in the green room. <laughs> but here's the thing, too, though, is that sometimes the best analysts weren't the best players. Like, I don't think, I mean, there, there are certainly great players in Hall of Famers who are great analysts, but there can be guys who are borderline roster guys or backups that are great analysts because they just see the game differently. Absolutely. Or they know. They know how that, I mean, 
some of the worst analysts that we've ever had at ESPN are the greatest players in the history of their games. Yeah, for and sure. Those, yeah. those guys just showed up and would be like, um, all right, yeah, you know, just tell me where I'm supposed to sit. Like, all right, what do you want to go over? I don't care. Like, can I go back to the makeup room? You know, and be like, geez, like you are into this. Okay. All right, Andy Dalton. There's there's two things here that are very clear. He's going into his ninth season. He's seventeen and a half million. They could cut him now. They can cut him at any time. The way they structured the back end of this contract is he got one of those big extensions that was more fake than others, but it doesn't mean he's not going to make the rest of this money. He's seventeen and a half mil again next year. But again, they can cut him at any time. Uh backups Jeff Driscoll, new coach, and Zach Taylor. He's basically a twenty and ten guy, twenty not rebound uh, points and rebounds. But 20 and 10 touchdowns, interceptions. His production has fallen off a little bit. He had 60 TDs combined in second and third year. And again, it's not, you know, some of this is just regression and whatever, but I, I feel like we kind of know who he is. Um, he had a lower QBR back then when he was throwing more touchdowns. He had that great 2015, but he got hurt and played in those 13 games, did get into the playoffs. And that's the thing. He's gotten this team to the playoffs five times if you want to give him credit, which I think he deserves credit for in the year that he got hurt. But he's 0-4 in the playoffs. And this is what really stands out. And there's no perfect stat here. Again, I'm just going to keep hammering it over and over again. I think what I'm doing is bringing up quarterbacks, but also exposing how easy it is to go in either direction for these dudes if you want to. Andy Dalton, you kind of know what you're getting. It seems like he's the right guy to be the quarterback. He's not a rah-rah dude or any of that kind of stuff. But he's, as we know from his high school speech that Canel and I asked him about at the Super Bowl, and he got like kind of annoyed with us, which is fine. But, you know, we know, we know who Dalton is. I imagine in the locker room like it does kind of work. So whatever you're you're missing in some of that fire, you at least know he's an adult in the room. He's going to show up. He's going to take it seriously. And he's not going to be the quarterback jerk from high school. Like I think those are all the things you have to start thinking about. Like that's why whenever I watch Hard Knocks and I look at the backups in those, those huddles, you're like, dude, do you want everyone to doubt you? Like take over the huddle. Like I don't give a bleep if you're going to be cut in two weeks. Go in a huddle, look those guys in the eyes, and take this thing over. I mean the Raiders – Backup QBs are as beta as it gets. I, I can't believe, like, fake it. Fake it. And who cares, you know? But get out there and take over the huddle. I, that, that is quarterback 101. I didn't even play. And I know that stuff. All right, so here's the case against Dalton. 89% passer rating for his career. He's 58 in the playoffs. I mean, it's a massive drop-off. Dig a little deeper. The Bengals have averaged just under 11 points per game in those four playoff losses, and it's not like they're losing to the Pats every year. They lost to Houston twice, San Diego, and the Colts. That is scary, scary stuff. But at Cincinnati, that means he's probably going to get a new deal. All right, final one. Joe Flacco, the Gene Chizik of NFL QBs. Flacco's 2012 Super Bowl run is as if Patrick Beverly dropped 40 a game every night for the Clippers in the playoffs last year and won an NBA championship. Not knocking Patrick Beverly, but that wouldn't happen. The reason I call him the Gene Chiswick of the NFL QBs is that when Chiswick was hired by Auburn, Van Pelt went off, was like, this is terrible, this is stupid, and then he won a national championship, but Van Pelt still felt like he was kind of right. I kept telling everybody the Flacco-Matt Ryan comparison was ridiculous, and that when Flacco was winning those playoff games early on with the Ravens, he was literally doing nothing to help the team do those things, okay? He wasn't, go through it. 
And then leading up to that 2012 playoff run, I'm like, you guys realize this guy's one of the most overrated playoff guys. It's the one loss record. You're lost in the one loss again, once again. You're not paying attention to what he is or isn't doing. And then he turns into Joe Montana's more aggressive, awesome, stronger dad. And it was, it was dumbfounding. And then Monday, Scott and I are doing the show. He's like, what's up now? Cause he kind of liked Flacco. I think he didn't like Flacco. He just didn't like my opinion. And I go, I guess I'm wrong. And I knew deep down I wasn't, and I didn't want to admit it. But what the hell was I going to do? He played flawless football for all of those games and won a title. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I it was an out-of-body experience. Is it, what, was. What it, it was. It was. So, so it, the reason we call it the Chiswick is that it's – I had a take on somebody. He does the only thing that you can do, like winning a national championship. And then Chiswick was out in two years. And Flacco – took a little bit longer than Chiswick, but the whole time we're watching, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is why I didn't believe in 2012. Um, he has money on the books, but it's all dead money uh, for the years after this. I get why Denver did it. Drew Locke's the backup. Um, Kevin Hogan, Israel Hogan, is the number two right now, technically, on the depth chart, if you're looking at those things. That was updated the 21st of August. Um, this kind of feels like just Eli part two, really, is that it's not the same. Um, Flacco's with a new franchise, but it's like, look, if you're going to be the guy that you've been, then we're probably going to move on. I think that's what the Giants are going to do, and they have more equity in Daniel Jones than the Broncos do with Drew Locke. But I should say, I mean, you could use the word equity, but I should probably just say they put more resources into it um, just by the pick alone. He... I'm going through some of the Flacco stuff. He had low deep ball numbers last year. He was middle of the yard, or excuse me, middle of the pack on the um, air yard stuff. He's had basically one above average season since 2012 by passer rating or net yards per attempt. So don't need to make that one complicated either. I think all those guys are – I'm trying to think the most difficult one out of that. It's probably Carr. Carr is probably the most difficult one to figure out in a year from now where he would be. So – I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. The Garoppolo thing, we should ask Mort about it. And they've already paid him that money, but I just always thought that I'm with you. Like, I didn't understand, like, hey, we have all this cap space, so let's just use it all now on Garoppolo. And you're like, you're going to pay this guy $40 million who's never had his own team? <laughs> like, I think they – don't they have an out, though, in Garoppolo's deal? Hold they on, do. It's not – it's not um, – I have it right in front of me. Oh, it's Spot Rack. I think I've called it Sport Track for years. I don't know. <laughs> I think Spot. No, no, it is Spot Rack. And for whatever reason, man, that is some weird. You just got in my head right there, Saruti. Uh Here we go. Yeah, they have a potential out cap. for four point two million dollars. Yeah, that would be after June first in a in a trade or release for next year. So if it's bad, they can just say we're good. Under right. ten million should be nothing in dead money now. It just shouldn't, especially when it's the guy that you feel like is holding up your whole team. But go back and read all the Garoppolo stuff from last year. I don't know if it was Kevin Clark or it was Robert Mays, the Ringer stuff. They did this whole thing. I hope I'm getting those guys right on uh, on the the genius of the Garoppolo transaction and what they saw in him. And maybe it's all ACL. Yeah, you know, I'm just you know you're covering all the bases of, of what any of this stuff could mean, but. I, I I thought I thought the Niners like lost their minds on on the whole Garoppolo thing, and it was so simple. The, the simplicity of 
Well, nobody really gets this, but we paid him all this money at first. So uh, this tricky thing with math where if you if you have a bigger number early, the other numbers are going to be smaller. Not a lot of people know that. But I mean, theoretically, I'm. I mean, all right. I don't think Uh-oh, Niners fan. No, I'm just saying. Okay, I, I would not have paid a guy. I think you only really pay a guy. Look, for example, what the Vikings did with Kirk Cousins. Like, I understood why you do that because they look like, hey, we have a window to win a Super Bowl. Like, we need a guy that's better than Case Keenum or somebody we can rely on. Cousins was the best guy, so they went out and got him. Okay, it could it could blow up in their face, but I understand why they did it. With the 49ers trading for Garoppolo and giving him that huge contract, like they were nowhere near a contender at all. They still had a ton of holes on that roster. They still kind of do. And so for me, I'm like, why would you, why would you bring in this guy, pay him a ton of money? He's unproven when the best, the, the best teams, it seems like in the best situation you could be in the NFL right now is drafting a quarterback and having him on a rookie deal and hoping he turns into something so you can spend your cap money on other players and win a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So if, even if Garoppolo ends up being great, You've kind of hamstrung yourself in, you know, with with the cap, and now that he's not that he's not great, you certainly set yourself back a few years. Are you willing to wait a minute? Like as, mu- as down as I may have been on the transaction, you sound like you're almost done with him already. That, no, I'm not. Me, I'm not sounds... done with him because I do feel bad. I, I you know, the I, he had, he obviously went. What was it? Five and zero or six and zero at the end of his first year there, and he looked good. And it was like, okay, this guy's going to be, you know, a, a, a you know potential Pro Bowl quarterback, maybe more. Um, See, and I, then he that gets was, that was then, I didn't think he was he wasn't as good in those games though. No, I know, I know. The stats will tell you he wasn't, but there was some hope there, or whatever, and because the Niners hadn't had a quarterback in a while. So you look at it and you go, okay, what uh, Timber Tay? What's up, Jeff Garcia? Um, but the, then he gets hurt, so I'm like, okay, it kind of takes a full year to get back from those knee injuries, usually, right? And may, but he might not he might not get that time, and and that might be unfortunate. But I, I don't know what else there is to say. Like, I think at some point, if if it doesn't work this year, like you can't just hope he's going to be better next year, right? Because I think Shanahan's a really good coach too. I, at least I think he's a good offensive coach. Hey, if Shanahan's not a good coach, then the smartest NFL people that I know are all idiots. Because everybody that like you would respect. Whether it's on the air or the stuff they say about this dude off the air, I don't. I just have a hard time believing. Like he's maybe he's just one of those. I mean, would he be one of those guys? It's like you're not so much a lead guitarist, but terrific rhythm. I don't know. Uh, all right, so we'll ask more of all those things. Okay, so let's do that. But first, um, just a reminder to check out the Woj Pod. The Woj Pod. He's getting all the GMs. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but. Um, Maybe Woj, maybe Woj doesn't care, but a couple of requests that we put in for GMs, they're like, absolutely, and then they end up on the Woj pod. So I would listen to that pod first and then this one second. People are going to think I'm mad right now, and I'm not. I don't, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> now, this is a pro-Woj pod. Come on. This is very pro-Woj. I'm a pro, uh, pro-Woj pro guy. Uh, okay, here we go. Firstly, saving money on award-winning wine you're guaranteed to love has never been easier with First Leaf. Unlike other wine clubs that... Guess about your favorite wines, those guys. First Leaf uses your feedback and ratings to curate wine selections personalized to your unique taste. First Leaf is so confident in the quality of their wine, they even have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. That means if you're not feeling a particular bottle of wine, First Leaf will cover it completely. Uh, that's the great thing about this. Like, hey, it doesn't happen, though. They curate it perfectly. And you just educate yourself on something, right? You don't have time to read a book? Buy some wine. I got started by taking the First Leaf Wine Quiz to assess my exact wine drinking preferences from sweetness to wine styles. 
I'm a Pinot Noir guy, Saruti, is what I've learned. Nice dry Pinot Noir. Nice. Okay. Yep. I'm a rosé okay. guy myself, but. Yeah, that makes sense. From sweetness to wine styles, you would fit in Cabo perfectly, to even how adventurous I am, they learned all about what I like. First Leaf then created an introductory six-pack of wine for me, all for just twenty nine ninety five. Seriously, an introductory six-pack of wine for twenty nine ninety five. These wines normally go for at least 20 bucks a piece. When my bottles arrived, I tasted and rated them online. First Leaf took my ratings and selected unique wines based on my taste for my next shipment. In fact, First Leaf... Sends out more than 17,000 unique shipments of wine every month because everyone's tastes are different. Try First Leaf Wine Club today where buying great wine is simple. Sign up with my link and you'll get an exclusive intro offer. Six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Rosillo. That's R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. Two S's, two L's. Six bottles of wine for only twenty nine ninety five plus free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash Rosillo. Mort, great to talk to you. Uh, I went through all the quarterbacks that I thought potentially would be in their last slot here for the current team. Um, doesn't mean they're going to have to retire or anything like that, but you get the point, right? So do you want me to just ramble these off for you right now and, and you tell me? Because I'm wondering if I have too many, if I don't have enough. And then you obviously can dig a little bit deeper on kind of how the teams feel about their current situation. You ready? Yeah, yeah, let's roll it. Okay, all right. So Eli is a very obvious one, um, and especially now with bringing in Daniel Jones. What do you think about that? I'm, I'm going to say he's, he's he's on his last contract, which means he's finished in New York. And I just have an asterisk to it. it, it it's not unlike what the owner said, uh, you know, that if they have the type of year that they they actually think they can have, and they are the only ones apparently who think they can have a winning year, and Eli plays at the top of his game, I do believe he he, he can get an extension, a small extension. That being said, they're higher on Daniel Jones than even when they were when they took him sixth in the draft, and for that for them to be that high on Daniel Jones, I mean that Eli has to have uh, a Pro Bowl caliber year and win. Double-digit games. Where would Eli go if he wanted? Like, I, I don't, I don't think there's a disagreement here about this. I mean, every team, like, every, whenever I think about quarterbacks, like teams have different situations. If you've had no answer for multiple years, they may go, you know what, Eli's a better option than what we've done here. So let's get, let's do it. Especially if this guy wants to to move on. So what were the op- yeah. what would the options even be for him? Yeah, I, I'd like to just add, listen, one thing that we, we do forget, it's a team game, and football still is a team game. You do have to have the quarterback. Uh, you know, I, I was at the Manning passing camp like I go to every year. They bring in all these top quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence was there. Justin Herbert from Oregon was there. A bunch of guys are there. Tua Tungavaloa of Alabama was the only stud quarterback that probably wasn't there. Uh, when the three-and-a-half days were finished, and there were uh, there were certain NFL people there and other people, when you got through watching those guys throw and work out for about an hour, 20 minutes every day, uh, you walked away and said, by far the best thrower there was Eli Manning, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, ahead of Justin Herbert, all those guys. Uh, so what I'm saying is I think physically he's in the best shape of his life, not that he's ever been in bad shape. I think their offensive line is very good. Uh, and then where he would go, I think, listen, one one kind of like resource he has is his brother Peyton. Because Peyton did not want to leave the Indianapolis Colts, but he had, you know, the terrible neck surgery, and they had the first pick in the draft, and Andrew Luck was there, so that didn't work out. And and uh, the experience for Peyton, and he, uh, trust me, it was, I know how painful it was for him to leave Indianapolis and end his career. 
But, you know, he found, you know, he found there was joy somewhere else, and that was the Denver Broncos. And so I think, you know, leaning on his brother, he's not his brother. Uh, he wants to live in New York. He and his wife, Abby, have four kids. They've been there all their lives. They're kind of, they're in school. Uh, and I would say that just pick a team. Yeah, I mean, listen, if if he, if he still wants to play, I think, it, and, and it's not with the Giants. I think he will. Uh, I think there will be. It has to be the right team, right owner, and I think Eli would, in fact, uh, extend his playing career if he felt physically like he could do it. Uh, knowing that emotionally, he may not want to do it, but if he physically he feels good and feels like he's playing well, uh, I could see him playing for somebody. Okay, so that sounds like we can rule out the XFL then. Uh, I'm going. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to rule out the XFL for Eli. I mean. You know, okay. But you know, but then hey, listen. When you look at some of these teams, uh, you know who's going to need a quarterback. You know, and is it going to be someplace that that Eli wants to play? That's you know Peyton. I think would have Peyton had uh, several options. I mean, and and you can say, well, yeah, he was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was coming off an injury where he could barely throw the ball twenty twenty yards. So uh, you know, there there can always be some place. Uh, you know, let's see how things work with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens this year. Let's see, let's see how that goes. Wow, that was an interesting one. Um, why? Do you, I mean, do you have trepidation about Lamar this year? Well, I, listen, I just know from people who have watched him in practice, they're, they're doing the right thing. Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, John Harbaugh, the head coach, they're doing the right thing with Lamar, which is what is his skill set and how can we enhance that? And what it does is the way we played football last year, which is basically run the football, control the clock. We gave our defense an extra seven minutes on the sidelines, so they were fresh and they were better. I think that's a that's what that's Don Shula coaching. What do I have? How can I make it work? But you know, in terms of you know dropping, you know, times if you fall behind and you got to drop back and you got to play catch up, there's a question as to whether it will work. And uh, and so, you know, I don't think they're going to give up on him, but and he is improved. But yeah, I would say, you know, that's when you got to watch. Okay, all right, uh, Mariota. Well, I take it back. That's two you got to watch. <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, I think Mariota's. I think this is. There's no question in my mind that that uh, I, I would say he's probably in his last year there. Yeah, I I went through all of it. You know when. You start looking at him, and then I'll just transition into Winston. I just thought it was worth repeating that, I mean, in this current CBA where we've changed the draft compensation going back to what, after Bradford, Cam Newton, so we have a lot of years on this, right. that Mariota and Winston are the only guys that had a 50-year option picked up with no extension. So Exactly. I mean, and so, so I mean, Mariota, I mean, listen, you know, staying, staying healthy – and and making plays, I mean, you know, it's a team that wins that those nine games, and even you can say it, uh, maybe even in the playoffs, tenth game. I mean, Mike Malarkey actually beat the Chiefs in Kansas City and got fired, you know, and that was their tenth win. Uh, but uh, I think there's just a sense that hey, you know, this guy's Mariota has, has got to win and he's got to stay healthy. And if he doesn't, by the way, Ryan Tannehill could play. And but it just feels like. The expectations there are: we better be in the playoffs, and we better win in the playoffs with Mariota. Uh, and if we don't, then it's it's finished there. That's what it feels like. Same thing with Winston. 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. The only difference is is this. Jason Light, the general manager, as everybody probably just heard, got a four-year extension. He's the one who put his name on Jameis Winston, and Bruce Arians is there and is trying to make it work. So I won't say the exact same thing with Winston. I think Winston has a little bit uh, more rope uh, in terms of you know, his ability to stay there and, and sign an extension because of what just transpired with the general manager staying uh, in place, the ownership, basically their vote of confidence there, and Bruce Arians in his first year. And if Bruce wants him and Jason wants him, then he'll he'll get some type of extension. Okay, Derek Carr. Oh, I love this one. Uh, listen, I think Derek Carr has to have a, a, a big year. I think that I think John Gruden likes almost everything he sees about Derek Carr. He's smart. Got the, the the photographic memory part. He's you know he's got the good arm. But I think what he wants to see, and he's now giving him weapons. You know, uh, especially with Antonio Brown. And I do believe Antonio Brown will be playing from start to finish, unless he gets has a, a real injury. Uh, he's going to want to see him hang in there and bring explosive plays to to the Raiders. That's what he that's what he's going to want to see. I think there is some trepidation, and and it may not have been Derek Carr's fault because they didn't really have a dynamic running game last year, and their offensive line could have been shaky. Is just stand in there, take the hit, and let cut it loose and make the big plays. And if that doesn't happen, uh, you know, it, you know, it's a coin flip. What do you make of the Raiders? Because I've been watching Hard Knocks. I mean, most of us yeah. all love the show. And, you know, even though there were some times, like, and I, I've been very upfront about this. Like, I thought Gruden was great at ESPN. It bummed me out a little bit when it felt like he was constantly flirting with all these things to right. see what kind of money he could get out of it. But look, I mean, you're your own thing. And if that's working out for you and it worked out for John, that's great. Um, go ahead, get it done. And now as I watch this and everybody thinks he's now this idiot, you know, however yeah. it played out last year, like social media has turned John Gruden into a present day NFL idiot. And I just refuse to believe that that's true. And I pick up little things with hard knocks where I go, you know, I think I like this guy again. And I actually, yeah. I, I want to see this work for whatever reason because I've never cared about the Raiders, but I don't know. I don't know why I feel that way. And I'm just not sure if it's Derek Carr. I, I look, the Antonio Brown thing, none of this is surprising so far, but if you, you're right, if you play 16, who cares? So what do you make of this whole Raiders thing and, and real expectations for them? Well, I mean, I, I think they're going to be better. I, I, I think well, their problem is, is, is maybe the division they play in, but regardless of that, I mean, I think Derek Carr is going to have a good year. I think Antonio Brown may not reach quite the numbers that he had with, with Ben Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh, but they're going to be pretty pretty big. I mean, the guy is a dynamic player. You cannot deny it. Uh, I think that Josh Jacobs, I, I actually I love them in Alabama, and I, and I watch a lot of Alabama football. Uh, and I like the fact that he hasn't been, he isn't a beat up player. I, I think that, uh, and John, you know, listen, John has a passion for football. I mean, he really does. I mean, I think even while he was at ESPN doing all the Monday Night Football stuff and the quarterback uh, uh, camp stuff, that he was always preparing to you know, come go back to the NFL. And you can say it was for money or maybe the right situation. The only thing about Oakland, Oakland is a place that he loved. Uh, uh he just loved the he, history, the organization. I mean, all that stuff he, from what I've heard. He, right? he, he does love that. And the fact is is that uh, for those of us who remember, the NFL is better when the Raiders are actually a contender. I mean, I think they are. I think it's a, it's a better league when the Raiders are, are uh, relevant. And John, I think, can make them relevant. Uh, the only thing that John walked into, and I think he was aware of it, is that they are really a team, and people have a hard time grasping this, 
that did not have any, they're a cash-poor team. They didn't have money. They did not have the money to sign Khalil Mack. People came wrap that. Wait a minute. People, fought, gets, people have fought you. Know, you. I'm jumping they, in on this because you did this with me on the podcast because you made it very clear. It's an old, outdated rule, really, for ownership, just to remind the listeners here again, that if you're putting 70, 80 million guaranteed in a long-term contract for anybody, you got to put that money in cash in that moment, every dollar in escrow as a protection for the players. And I don't know that they need to do that anymore, but that was always your point. And I'm surprised so many people kind of did this, oh, the NFL, all these guys make a ton of money. Mark Davis is cash poor is your point, right? Yeah, yeah. Listen, Mark Davis, uh, go, you know, go compare his, his his bank accounts to that of Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft. And I, I would tell you that it, he, he is cash poor. And they think, well, he's always got a new state. He's not making any money off this, the Oakland Alameda Stadium or whatever it's called. Uh, they're going to Vegas. Uh, yes, the, the state of Nevada is paying $750 million for, to help construct that stadium, but the balance, which is $2 million or so, you know, that's, he, he's got to work through that. And he's got to borrow money. And oh, by the way, they're in another legal fight. So he, you know, he, he, they don't have a lot of revenues, cash revenues, except the TV revenue. And the TV revenue is paid out on a certain schedules. So yeah, you know, in terms of having the cash to actually you know, signed guys up front. And I just mentioned, you know, Antonio Brown got a $1 million signing bonus from the Raiders. That's all he got. Now, they guaranteed him some money. There's some question as to how much they have to fund, but, uh, you know, the, the money will be there certain he's going to get paid. But he, he only got a $1 million signing bonus. And uh, the Raiders are a cash-poor team, and John knew that. Uh, but that being said, I think May, having Mike Mayock there with, with John and John trusting Mayock that – that uh, you know they'll figure out a way to to, to get good. Look, they they did have a good off season. And, you know they got Antonio Brown. If he's Antonio Brown, they got Terrell Williams uh, from the Chargers, a receiver, even though he's banged up a little bit right now. So uh, I think they really, uh, I think they really are, are. Their biggest regret was losing Jared Cook at tight end. That was Derek Carr's you know security blanket. That's the one that I think that uh, they wished uh, had not gotten away. Now they got six tight ends, though, as we learned um, this most yeah, you, recent episode. They, they do have six tight ends. That's, that's correct. Uh, Andy Dalton, the ninth season. It feels like this flew by, but I'm sure some people would argue it hasn't. Uh, Dalton's different here because I, I would argue, you know, other than, you know, we know what Eli's resume is, but if you look at the totality of what Dalton is, it's been really good. We just know how bad it's been in the playoffs. Yeah, and and I know I think that the Brown family, Mike Brown, and and, and his uh, his daughter Katie Blackburn, uh, I, I think they really like uh, Andy Dalton. I think uh, I think he's got a chance to stick. That, I, I know that will surprise people in mean, the playoff record. I mean, well, they're they're contenders. Know, What's that? No, I don't. I don't think it's crazy. Like when I was going through the numbers, you know, as I sit here and say, really good. I mean, you know, this is all semantics, but he's better. He, the, the totality of what he has been, I think, is better. But the playoff thing is such a massive drop off. I mean, there's just no defending it. But no, I can see where there team... is no defending it. Uh, yeah. you, you can you can point to if you break each game down, you can say, well, this was Andy's fault. This was Andy's fault. Or maybe there was a you know maybe the the offense the offense the game plan wasn't as good. Who knows? It specifically, game plan. But it's a new coaching staff, new head coach, young. Andy, listen, Andy was playing extremely well last year when uh, A.J. Green got hurt and then Andy himself got hurt. That's the other factor with Andy. He's got to stay healthy. One thing you say about Eli is, and I know because he's played through a separated shoulder that I was told 
by as many good sources as you can find as it relates to the Giants and Eli, that he was going to miss a month with a separated shoulder. He didn't miss a game. And the only thing that interrupted his, his playing streak was it was him. When Ben McAdoo uh, you know, informed him that he was going to play only half a game, and Eli asked him, you know, is, is it – you know, is it because uh, you want to keep my streak alive? And McAdoo basically said yes, and Eli pulled the plug on it. He says, that's not why I play football. So, you know, one thing about Andy Dalton is that he, I do think he has to stay healthy uh, or else, uh, you know, there, they, might, they might move on under those conditions. So, wait, that was the whole Eli thing? Yes. In ter- no, in terms of, of his consecutive game streak being snapped? Yeah. That was it. McAdoo, went, Ben McAdoo, went to him, and, and a lot I of remember. people. Yeah, I went to him and, and, and basically said, "Hey, you'll start this week, but, we're gonna, but at halftime, I mean, we're, we're going to make a switch." And Eli basically said, "You know, are you doing that simply because of my streak?" And McAdoo, from my understanding, was more or less yes. You know, we, well, we, you know, we want to respect that. And, and Eli basically pulled the plug on himself. Said, "That's not why I play football." Huh. A.C. Green, not impressed with Eli Manning's approach to that thing. Okay, I have, uh, I have, I have one more. And, I, you know, this one, this one doesn't Google A.C. Green streak on, I'm keeping that alive for the kids out there listening right now. It was really lame. Um, Flacco, this isn't in the same tier because I understand what Denver's mm-hmm. doing here. They're throwing a flyer at it. Some people criticize them for even getting the mid-round pick. Um, you know, when you're desperate and it hasn't worked and Keenum isn't what they hoped it was going to be and, you know, the, the drafting has gone poorly since Peyton came in. I get what Denver did here. And so this isn't the same thing. It's not like Denver fans going in with all this angst about Flacco because they've seen what he's been the last few years, but it's certainly structured in a way where this could be a one-year deal for them. Yeah, and I uh, I have been, and I may, I guess, I remain among the few people who think it's that Flacco was a really good acquisition by the Broncos. Uh, the guy can still throw it. the football. I mean, what, I mean, like he can throw the football with. I'd say in terms of just standing back and throwing the football, he's, he's like top five, top seven. But staying healthy—that's that's another issue. Staying healthy is a big, t- big time issue with Joe. I w- you could, if you had a private conversation with Ozzy Newsom, and I'm not going to sit there and, and tell you exactly what Ozzy would say, but I know I can say Feel this free. before we last season. Yes, Ozzy, Ozzy said that if we go to the Super Bowl, it's going to be because of Joe Flacco if he stays, as long as he stays healthy. And he didn't stay healthy, and they did have a problem on defense last year. And what works with Lamar Jackson made their defense better and made them contenders. So I think that Joe Flacco is a uh, 50-50 proposition on whether he stays with Denver beyond this year because Drew Locke is a little bit further behind than I think they anticipated. Yeah, right. I, I felt like this was a different category, but at least if we're going, hey, what's a potential one and done? But, um, you know, well, that, I'm not even the biggest Flacco guy. That's a potential one and done, yeah. But, uh, yeah, right, right. Okay, here's, here's one that I didn't put on the list, and – I'm I'm curious how you're going to feel about this. Okay, I, I've always felt like Garoppolo because the one loss record when he stepped in was a little overrated. But then you read the way Kyle Shanahan, who I, I would assume you know we're all on the same page here, is, is kind of revered essentially as an offensive mind, and then he starts talking about yeah. his hip thrust and the way he can get, and he's just like, look, this is the guy. And then I did think it was weird that the Niners wanted all this credit for the way they structured that contract because they gave him 
like 37 to 41 million in that first calendar year. And then they acted like none of us could understand that like when you pay somebody a ton up front, he gets paid less later on. Like it wasn't that right. genius of a move. Like we get it. Um, but let me just pull up the number here again because I had it. He got 41.8, I think, in cash, 40, 42 million in cash in that first year. And last year, you know, he was on the books for 17, 9, 19, depending on how you want to put the numbers together. Um, the dead money would be, I think there'd actually be limited dead money here, depending on what they want to do. Is there any scenario, basically is my point, is there any scenario where Garoppolo so bad this year and the way the structure of the contract, even though they gave him so much money up front, which would make me think a team would still be reluctant, even if Garoppolo fell on his face, is there any scenario more where you would see them making a decision to move on from Garoppolo? Yes. Wow. Okay. I'm glad you asked about it. Of all the guys you asked about, Garoppolo to me is, is the most intriguing uh, guy because – when he was traded from New England to the 49ers, remember, he sat for a, a, a few games. But yeah. when he came out and played, he, he kind of lit it up. And, and, and I think they said, obviously, they said, well, he's our guy. Let's go ahead and you know deal with the contract situation now and give him the money. Uh, but I do believe, you know, listen, the, obviously he hurt his, you know, towards ACL early in the season last year. And uh, But I think there's been some other things that they don't – I don't think that Kyle Shanahan likes what he sees. Uh, and, what are we talking and, about there? Prep day to day? Well, I'm not sure if it's prep or whether it's a gra- you know Kyle is. I think he's one of the top three offensive coordinators in football. You know, and 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 uh, I don't know if I name them all. You put Josh McDaniels in there certainly, but I, I think Kyle's right there. And uh, I think he's still a guy. Even though he has his offense, he's always wants to evolve. And mentally, you better be able to keep up with Kyle. And Kyle. You know, he's. He, I'm not sure he's a patient, patient guy, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. And they're they're at a point where they want to win. I mean, John Lynch and, and and Kyle Shanahan are kind of tied at the hip there. And I'm anxious to see what happens at the start of the season with Garoppolo if they don't think he's ready. Not, not yeah, that I, they're going to cut him loose, but you know, yeah. is, is he really going to be the starter when the season opens? Because I hear it hasn't been pretty. I heard what we've seen in preseason is kind of what we're seeing in practice a bit. <laughs> I know, and the crazy thing is, is like a a feather in the cap for Shanahan is that Mullins played better than I imagine anybody would have thought he would last year. Um, you know, he's just off the radar guy. You know, I mean, I'm sure you knew who he was and, and some of the more hardcore college guys, but. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those things I just wonder, like, if a team goes, okay, he wasn't good in 2019. It's only the second year of the deal. We gave him so much money in the front. Like, maybe we just keep him around here a little bit. But I don't know. I I, I don't know, but I'm glad glad you like it. He's going to have to show a lot more, and I think he's got to show a lot more in different areas. And obviously, you know, what we're saying now is, well, that ACL, that knee, he doesn't have any confidence of it. He's not stepping in. All those things are true. Uh, but I know this much. They're going to run the football. They're going to run it well. Uh, he's going to give him some easy throws to make. It's the best play action, run action, uh, all, you know, Kyle is in, in, in the NFL. And uh, so I think he expects him to make those easy throws or, or, or the throws that, that a true NFL starting quarterback should make. We're going to get more Super Bowl pick at the end of this, but first a word from Simply Safe. According to studies, only about 10% of break-ins are planned beforehand. The rest are spur of the moment. Crimes of opportunity, in other words, random. July and August are when the most burglaries occur. And what's crazy is that only one in five homes have home security. 
Maybe because most companies really don't make it easy. It's actually brutal. If anybody's ever looked into it with other companies, I'm not going to name those. It's like, man, I thought I signed up for something, and then it's it's all these different things. It isn't. Simply Safe is my top choice, hands down, um, because I need it here where I live. Like we have this thing in my town where if you don't have some kind of camera going on in the front door, and you have every any kind of delivery coming in, you're going to miss half the deliveries. And Simply Safe has made it so much easier for me. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room with 24/7 professional monitoring. They make it easy on you. There's no contract, hidden fees, or fine print. I can't emphasize enough how important that is. It's won a ton of awards from CNET to the New York Times wire cutter. Prices are always fair and honest. Around-the-clock monitoring is just $15 a month. But one thing truly makes Simply Safe stand out is their video verification technology. When other home security systems are triggered, a lot of the time police assume it's a false alarm and calls go to the bottom of the list. But not with Simply Safe. Using their video verification technology, they're able to visually confirm the break-in is happening, allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than other home security companies. So that in itself is worth the difference with Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash Ryan, R Y E N. You get free shipping and a 60 day risk free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash Ryan, R Y E N, so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash Ryan. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about the contract stuff in general because I was thinking about it the other day. Um, everybody does this, this woe is me running back thing now. And there was even a story about them potentially having their own separate union. And yeah. I think it's pretty clear. A lot of the coaches go, I don't want to use the cap space on this. You know, whether it was Chip Kelly with Sean McCoy, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell didn't get nearly the money that I think he thought that he was going to get. Ezekiel Elliott holding out now, which I actually think, I was thinking about this argument the other day. If somebody says, well, you know, first round running backs, they need to hold out as soon as they possibly can because the shelf life, where the shelf life numbers are exaggerated because they're including all the running backs that actually don't really play. Um, That's true. No, it's true because I've gone through it. Like, if you're a running back that's legitimately like a top ten in yardage guy, like it's more like seven or eight years that you're making money in this league. It just is. So, when I look at first rounders going, "Hey, this this salary structure is screwed up for us. This sucks." I never blame the running back for holding out, and it sounds like Zeke's going to get that extra money anyway. So, do business the way business is done. But if you're now worrying about the value of a running back, using cap space on it, and then if you take a guy in the top 10 or the first round in general, you have to worry about a holdout, that's an even stronger argument to not draft these guys in the first round. So what do we do now with the running backs and the way this this salary stuff is structured, even though the rookies are basically getting 100% of this guaranteed now? Uh, yeah, and and uh, I, I thought this back in 2011 when they were working on the labor uh, new labor agreement, and I actually yeah, had a did. conversation independently with Roger Goodell and, and D. Smith. Not that it was my business, but in the course of, of talking about things, you, you know, you kind of like, you'll interject maybe a thought that you have uh, to see the reaction. And I, and I felt then that the running backs are being shorted on the rookie entry wage constraints level because the general belief, I mean, even Jimmy Johnson, uh, when when the Cowboys drafted Emmitt Smith, I, he basically looked at everybody in the room and says, okay, we're going to have him for five years because we're going to use him up and he's going to have nothing left in the tank at the end of that five years, so let's go have fun with him. And uh, and as it turns out, Emmett had a little more staying power than even Jimmy Johnson expected. But I think that is a general consensus, and there's a lot of people that you know want to do running back by committee, so the value of the running backs uh, are down. Ezekiel Elliott is a full-service running back. His uh, issue is you, when you have two years left on your contract, you don't have a lot of leverage, and the only leverage you have is to withhold your services and not to tick off your owner. 
uh, in this case, Jerry Jones. Uh, so I think there's there's been a couple things that were said that uh, you, we all heard Jerry Jones this week, right? Which yeah. is he, he wasn't happy with her, you know, being told that his little joke or little quip about Zeke who, uh, you know, was was not funny to Zeke or his agent, and that they thought it was disrespectful because Jerry feels like he has supported Zeke through a lot of things off the field, and in, 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 as everybody knows and. And I would say, and I've said, Jerry Jones is the most powerful man in the state of Texas. And that includes all governors and senators. So I would say that uh, he is, what's that? More than Beto? Yes, I'm putting him him at the very top of the pyramid. So I guess what I'm saying is so that, listen, if you got Jerry Jones on your side and you're Zeke Elliott and you, you, you get in trouble occasionally, that uh, of all the people you want on your side, you want you want Jerry Jones on your side. And uh, but at the same time, running backs to me, I think in this next collective bargaining agreement, I think there's no question it'll be addressed. I also think the franchise tag will be addressed because, in essence, the team can have control of a player for about the time you you, you just stretched out. You know, about seven years, they can pretty much control a player if they want to. If you right. take them in the first round and exercise your tags. Yeah, right. No, I mean, I don't. I don't know if they're going to get this. This. I mean, a separate union for running backs doesn't make any sense. Uh, but that's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen. But uh, I have. I have no problem with the negotiating part of this. You want to hold out. You want to do those things. You want to get your money. Go ahead and do it. But as an owner, I would go. I also have the right to not pay you an absurd amount of money to a position as good as Zeke is. I just wouldn't do it, and I wouldn't draft him. I wouldn't draft Saquon Barkley, number two. I, I just wouldn't because I've never seen a team really carried. Other than that Vikings team that made the playoffs that didn't make any sense years ago, Adrian when Peterson. Adrian Peterson, yeah. right? Peterson's really the only guy I can think of in the modern era that's consistently carried a franchise. Really. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, it's one guy in like a 10-plus-year stretch. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, no, I was, there are a few backs that can do all the things. And actually, you know, Adrian ran the football at a high, high level. Ezekiel Elliott actually can do more things than Adrian does, but Adrian was you know, a gold jack guy. Well, let's see what happens to Saquon Barkley. I mean, I know that Dave sure. Gettleman's thinking is, hey, if you pick second in the draft, you better be able to envision that guy being, you know, wearing a gold jacket and being a Hall of Famer. And and, and to me, in that draft uh, a year ago, there were only two players that you could really envision doing that, and one was Saquon Barkley, and one was Quentin Nelson, the guard with Indianapolis. But are those the type of guys that you could that help you go win a Super Bowl? Because that's the, that's the only thing, right? That's all you measure it by. Uh, and uh, you know, with Ezekiel Elliott, and they have an offensive line that's going to be even better because they got their center Travis Frederick back last year after he set out uh, a season ago with the disease that he had. Uh, you know, but. Jerry Jones going to be what seventy seven? I've heard Jerry talk to me on the phone. I've seen him mention it publicly. You know, you feel your mortality, and what do you want again that you haven't had in more than twenty years? And it's the Super Bowl. And I think for him to reach that, I think they probably have to have Ezekiel Elliott. And then it's just a matter of yeah. they have a number in mind. And what you're what you're saying is on the call. I think they they're basically looking at Le'Veon Bell's contract and saying that's that's close to what we're thinking of. And he's looking at Todd Gurley's contract saying we want to go beyond Todd Gurley. Well, you know, I would say that advantage Cowboys when you have two years left on your contract like Ezekiel Elliott does. Right, and, and consistently, you know, as much as I like the Rams, the, the Gurley contract didn't make any sense then. And to use that as the standard, 
I, if I were a team, I'd be like, look, that contract is a mistake. I don't, I don't have to also make a mistake just because. And that's, that's, he, and that is in essence what the Cowboys are saying. And, and you would understand the agent. The only interesting thing about this, I'll, and I'll tell this out because I've been thinking about it for a while. I've just said it publicly. Rocky Arsenal is, is Ezekiel's agent. He has two, but Rocky Arsenal's with him. He's the guy who was with him down in Cabo. Rocky's the guy who also represented two other interesting players. One is Eric Dickerson, and another is Marshall Falk. And Eric Dickerson didn't get what he wanted from the Rams, so he got himself forced out of there and traded to the Colts. And Marshall Falk didn't get what he wanted with the Colts and forced his way out of there and got himself to the Rams, which is a weird twist of fate there, even though they weren't playing at the same uh, times, parallel careers. Uh, So you do have an agent whose reference point is – you can force yourself out and get the money you want. Uh, in this case, you know, two years left on your contract, I think handcuffs them. Final thought here, Moore. I know it'd be real easy to just sit here and go, all right, you know, this team from the NFC going up against the Patriots. Is there, with all your visits and all your conversations, um, a couple teams that you think are maybe more likely to get to a Super Bowl than perhaps we're getting credit for? Oh, uh that's a, that's a, that's a great question. I I, I think people have. Uh, do, do do you think people have kind of forgotten about the Minnesota Vikings? Absolutely. I think Cousins in that year was like, oh wait, this is why Washington didn't want to pay him. You know. Yeah. Well, and I, they're and so I think talented, I, though. God, there was. I remember looking through it. Like I like Atlanta last year, and then everybody got hurt immediately. Yep. Um, but when I would look at the Vikings, I remember making this joke. Like when you look at the Vikings depth chart at the start of the season last year, you went, this team is insanely talented. So yeah, I think that's a great call as far as being overlooked, but I think that was a cousins national, uh, thing. I'm not even going to call it perception because it's the reality. Like he's, he's average. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think they have a heck of a team. I think obviously Dalvin Cook being that staying healthy, uh, although they, they've got a, a backup back they love, uh, in case he does. Uh, the Madison kid, the the rookie, but they're one team. I'm really anxious to see Seattle play this year. Uh, you know, because I think that you know what Pete Carroll did last year, I thought was one of the best coaching jobs I've seen in ten years. Totally remade the roster for the most part and reinvented themselves and made a run at it and should be better this year. Okay, all right. So, uh, do you want to make a pick? Do you have a pick? Or do you not have to do that? Oh, I've already listen. My, I I don't have to do do it. I mean, uh, ESPN asked me to, but listen, I I, I believe that the 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 uh, the winner of the the Chiefs Patriots game once again played in the AFC Championship last year. Whoever wins that game is going to going to the Super Bowl, and I would be inclined to say the Patriots are the favorite because everybody I've talked to. I trust says their defense is going to be better, maybe much better, despite losing Trey Flowers. And the quarterback, there is no slippage. I'm sorry. And I know that the, you know, the tight end thing is a big thing, but I just see I see it. The winner of the Chiefs-Patriot games, that's not telling you much that's there. Right. But, <laughs> but I would say that uh, I think I think in the NFC, I would probably lean toward the, uh, the Eagles uh, and, and Vikings as my, my Super Bowl picks. Uh, although just a minute, I just I just got a text from the Saints that said, "Don't forget about us," but we're not live, so obviously I'm making that up. So I, I, I didn't answer your question. 
No, I actually like the way you answered it. Instead of saying defiantly, these are the only two teams, any other team is a stupid choice. Like, I just kind of wanted that collection of of a few teams there up at the top. And I think it is good to bring it up. Because when I look at just a couple weeks in versus how we felt about the Vikings, like, I, I haven't done all my prep stuff for some of the other stuff that I'll be doing. But you're right. Like, the, the Vikings are completely off the radar in comparison to where they were a year ago. Nationally. Nationally. I'm not saying locally, but nationally. Um, yeah. You're the best, man. Hey, look, hey, Brian. Yeah, you've been the best. It's been one of my great pleasures watching you uh, just develop into one of my favorite uh, guys at uh, ESPN, and we wish you Godspeed and great success beyond this. And uh, we will catch up, though, however way we need to do that. And, you know, You've you've kind of taken over my old home stomping grounds, the South Bay down there. You know, I'm in in, in California. It kind of breaks my heart a little bit, but I'm happy for you. Well, if you need a place to crash, we get a couch for you or a futon or something like that. <laughs> yeah, isn't that all? Well, we didn't have futons back then, but we crashing. All we needed was a floor. <laughs> Even if you had a bed, you ended up on the floor. That's right. Those 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 are the the way back days. But uh, yes. hey, look, I'll be I will be keeping in touch, man. I really appreciate you saying that, Mort. So enjoy the season. All right. All right, Ryan. Take care. Thanks. All right, we got one more to go. That'll be next week. Everybody, enjoy the rest of the uh, weekend.